Hello and welcome to the Nature Storyteller Christmas Special of 2023. The winter solstice is upon us, which means the days will soon grow longer and lighter again. It's the perfect time to light up the Yule Log to warm your home, as Christmas is just around the corner. Today, we have two wonderful, family-friendly stories to share with you. First, we'll take you on a magical journey through the Christmas tree forest. This tale is based on a traditional Scandinavian story of a remote place at the very top of the world, where no one ever grows up. And they have a very well-known neighbour with a long and flowing white beard. So, if you have got your Christmas treats and a warm drink, please settle down, relax and be still and silent. And let us take you on a magical, snowy adventure to the land of the Great Walled Country. Far away and at the northern end of the world, farther than men have ever gone with their ships and sledges, and where most people suppose there is nothing but snow and ice, is a land called the Great Walled Country. This name is given because all around the country is a Great Wall. It's hundreds of feet thick and it's hundreds of feet It is made of ice and never melts in winter or summer. Of course, it is for this reason that more people have yet to discover the place. As I said, the land is filled with children. For nobody who lives here ever grows up. The king and the queen and the princess and the courtiers may be as old as you, but they are children. They often play with dolls and tin soldiers and every night at seven o'clock they have a bowl of bread and milk and go to bed. But they make excellent rulers and the other children are pleased with their government. There are all sorts of curious things about the way they live in the Great Wall Country, but this story is only of their Christmas season. One can imagine what a fine thing their Christmas must be. So near the North Pole with the ice and the snow everywhere. But this is not all. You see, Grandfather Christmas lives on the country's north side. So his house leans against the Great Wall and would tip over without its support. Grandfather Christmas is his name in the Great Wall country. We probably best know him as Father Christmas or Santa Claus here. At any rate, he is the same person and, best of all, he loves the children behind the Great Wall of Ice. 
one enjoyable thing about having grandfather Christmas for a neighbour is that they never have to buy Christmas presents in the Great Walled Country. Every year, on the day before Christmas, and before he makes up his bundles for the rest of the world, Grandfather Christmas goes into the great forest of the Christmas trees that grows just at the back of the palace of the king and fills the trees with candy and books and toys and all sorts of good things. So, when the night comes, all the children wrap up snugly while the children in all other lands wait in their beds and these children go out into the forest to gather gifts for their friends. Each one goes by themselves so that none of their friends can see what they have gathered and no one ever thinks of such a thing as taking a present for themselves. The forest is so big that there is room for everyone to wander about without meeting anyone where you'd have to share your secrets and there are always enough lovely things to go around. So Christmas time is an excellent holiday in that as it is in all the best places around the world. They've been celebrating Christmas in this way for hundreds of years, and since Grandfather Christmas does not grow old any faster than the children, they will probably continue to do so for many hundreds of years more. But there was once a time, so, so many years ago, that they would have forgotten all about it if the story had not been written in their big book and read to them every year when the children in the Great Wall Country had a very strange Christmas. There came a visitor to the land. He was an older man, the first stranger who had succeeded in getting over the wall for many, many years. He looked so wise and interested in what he saw and heard that the king invited him to the palace and he was treated with every possible honour. When this older man inquired about their Christmas celebration and was told how they carried it out every year, he listened. Then, looking wiser than ever, he said to the king, Well, that is all very well, but... I should think that children who have Grandfather Christmas for a neighbour could find a better and easier way. You tell me you all go out on Christmas Eve to gather presents to give to one another the following day. Well, why? Why take so much trouble and act in such a roundabout way? Why not just go out together and everyone picks their own presents? That would save the trouble of dividing them again and everyone would be better satisfied for they could pick out just what they wanted for themselves. No one can tell you what you want as well as you can. Now, this seemed to the king to be a wise saying and he called all his courtiers and counsellors about him to hear it. The wise stranger talked further his plan and when he had finished they all agreed that they had been very foolish never to have thought of this simple way of getting the Christmas gifts sorted. If we do this they said no one can ever complain of what they have 
or wish that someone had taken more pain to find out exactly what they wanted, we will make a proclamation and always after this follow the new plan. So the proclamation was made and the plan seemed as wise to the country's children as it had to the king and the councillors. Everyone had at some time been a little disappointed with, with their Christmas gifts. Now there would be no danger of that happening again. On Christmas Eve, they always met at the palace and sang carols until it was time to go out into the forest. When the clock struck ten, everyone said, I wish you a Merry Christmas to the person nearest to them. And they separated to go to the forest. On this particular night, it seemed to the king that the music was not quite as merry as usual. And when the children spoke to one another, their eyes did not shine as gladly as he had noticed them on other years. Still, there could be no good reason for this since everyone expected a better time than usual. So he thought no more about it. The only person at the palace that night not pleased with the new proclamation about the Christmas gifts was a little boy named Inga. He lived not too far from the palace with his sister. Now his sister had a disability and she had to sit all day looking out of the window from her wheelchair. And Inga took care of her and tried to make her life happy from morning till night. He had always gone into the forest on Christmas Eve and returned with his arms and pockets loaded with pretty things for his sister, which would keep her amused throughout the coming year. And although she could not go after presents for her brother, Inga didn't mind that at all, especially as he had other friends who never forgot to divide their good things with him. But now, Inga said to himself, what would his sister do? The king had ordered that no one should gather any presents except for themselves or any more than they could carry away at once. All of Inga's friends were busy planning what they would pick for themselves, but Inga's poor sister could not get to the forest to get her gifts. After thinking about it for a long time, Inga decided it would not be wrong if instead of taking gifts for himself, he took them all together for his sister. He would be happy to do this, for what did a boy who could run about and play in the snow care for presents anyway, compared with his sister who could only sit still and watch others having a good time? Inga did not ask anyone's advice, for he was a little afraid others would tell him he must not do it, but he silently decided not to obey the king's proclamation. And now the chimes had struck ten and the children were making their way towards the forest in starlight that was so bright that it almost showed their shadows on the sparkling sea. As soon as they came to the edge of the forest, they separated each one going by themselves, although now there was no reason why they should, should have secrets from one another. Ten minutes later, if you had been in the forest, you might have seen the children standing in dismay, 
Some had tears in their eyes, exclaiming that there had never been such a Christmas Eve. As they looked eagerly about them to the low-bending branches of the evergreen trees, they saw nothing, nothing that was hanging from the trees that you could not find on any other day of the year. High and low they searched, wandering further and further into the forest than ever before, just in case Grandfather Christmas may have chosen a new place this year for hanging the presents but still no presence appeared. The king called his counsellors about him and asked them if they knew whether anything of this kind had ever happened before, but they couldn't tell him so no one could guess whether Grandfather Christmas had forgotten them or some dreadful accident had kept him away. As the children were trooping out of the forest, after many hours of wearily searching, some of them came upon little Inga, who carried over his shoulder a bag that seemed to be full to overflowing. Seeing them looking at him, he cried, Are they not beautiful things? I think Grandfather Christmas has never been so good to us before. What do you mean you can't see any presents? said Inga. I have my bag full of them. But he did not offer to show them because he did not want the children to see that they were all for his little sister instead of him. What, what do you mean, cried the children? There are no presents in the forest this year. Then the children begged Inga to tell them in what part of the forest he had found the presents. And Inga, being a good kind-hearted boy turned back and pointed to them to where he had been. I left way more behind than I was able to bring in, he said. Look, there they are. Even from here, I can see some things shining on the trees. But when the children followed his footprints in the snow to where he had been, they saw nothing, nothing on the trees and thought that Inga must be walking in his sleep dreaming that he had found presents. Perhaps he had filled his bags with cones and branches from the evergreen trees. On Christmas Day, there was so much sadness all through the great walled country. But those who came to the house of Inga and his sister saw plenty of books and dolls and beautiful toys piled up about his sister's chair and when they asked where these things came from, they were told, why, from the Christmas tree forest, of course, and they shook their heads. The king held council in the palace and appointed a committee of his most faithful courtiers to visit Grandfather Christmas and see if they could find out what had gone wrong. The committee set out on their journey. They had an arduous work climbing the ice wall between their country and the place where Grandfather Christmas lived. But they finally reached the very top. And when they came to the other side of the wall, they looked down atop his chimney. It was not hard to go down this chimney into the house. And when they reached the bottom of it, they found themselves in the very room where Grandfather Christmas lay sound asleep. It was hard enough to rouse him at any time, 
but it always slept 100 days after his Christmas work was over, and it was only by turning the hands of the clock around 200 times that the committee could do anything. When the clock had struck 12 times 200 hours, Grandfather Christmas thought it was time for his nap to be over, and he sat up in bed rubbing his eyes. Oh, sir, cried the prince in charge of the committee, we have come from the king of the Great Wall Country, who has sent us to ask you why, why you forgot us this Christmas and left no presents in the forest. No presents, said Grandfather Christmas. I, I never forget anything. The presents were there. You did not see them, that's all. But the children told him that they had searched long and carefully and in the forest there had not been found a thing that could be called a Christmas gift. Oh indeed, said Grandfather Christmas. And did the little Inga, the boy with the sister in a wheelchair, did he find none? Then the committee was silent for they had heard of the gifts at Inga's house and did not know what to say about them. You had better go home, said Grandfather Christmas, who now began to realise that he had been awakened far too soon, and let me finish my nap. The presents were there, but never intended for children looking only for themselves. I am not surprised that you could not see them. Remember that not everything that a wise traveller tells you is smart. And he turned over and began to go to sleep. The committee returned to the Great Wall Country and told the king what they had heard. The king did not tell the children of the land what Grandfather Christmas had said. But when the next December came, he made another proclamation, bidding everyone to seek gifts for others in the old way in the Christmas tree forest. And so that is what they have been doing ever since. And so they may not forget what happened in case anyone should ever ask for another change. They have read to them every year from the big book, the story of when they had no Christmas gifts. Well, I hope that doesn't happen to you this year. And that is a very good place for us to end our story. I hope you enjoyed the magical adventure and received the gifts you really wanted this Christmas. Don't forget to give gifts to those you love, your family, your friends, and your companion animals. We'll all feel special when they receive your gift. And please, don't forget those who may be on their own this Christmas. A quick visit with a mince pie 
hi or a phone call could make their day so special and let them know you were thinking of them. Now it's time for our main story of Christmas. It's not a traditional tale, but something from deep within our own imagination. Our tale is told by a young boy forced to join forces with the Snow Bunny and the Shadow Hawk. Two characters from a book he has been reading, but together they must defeat the dark smoke and save the world. So, if you are ready, please get comfortable. Snuggle under your blankets and join us on this magical fantasy adventure of the Snowbird. on the shutters had jolted me up. I could hear my racing heartbeat as I slowly turned my eyes towards the closed window. The wind was howling outside and I dared not make a move as I stared at the shutters, which only allowed me faint glimpses of the dancing shadows outside. I waited, but nothing happened. Slowly, my eyes got used to the dark and I glanced at the other side of the room where my brother was sleeping peacefully in his bed. Whew, at least I wasn't alone. That always seemed to calm me down and I began to feel sleepy again. I listened to the wild wind and stared out of the window until I could no longer keep my eyes open. Another loud thud forced me to wake up again and this time I sat on my bed. I clenched my heavy blanket and anxiously stared at the window. I waited. But nothing happened again. After a few deep breaths I went to the window and I saw what was going on through the shutters. But before anything else I reached for the lamp on the table beside my bed and I turned the lamp on. My brother, who was still half asleep, asked me what I was doing. I was so surprised that I jumped and I turned around to see him looking at me with an exasperated expression. Before I could answer, he turned his back to me and told me to turn the light off and go back to sleep. He was annoyed that I had woken him up over what he thought was something so very trivial. Turning off the lamp, I saw the book still on my bedside table. It was the Snow Bunny, a story I loved so much that I had already read it three times. But I knew that I should stop reading it at night because it was making me a bit anxious and that I couldn't sleep very well. And maybe that's why I got scared of the tree branch knocking on my window. You see, in the book, 
a thud on the window is how the character first meets the snow bunny and helps him to defeat the dark smoke. I laughed to myself, oh silly book, as I tossed it into the drawer on my bedside table and I turned off the lamp. I looked at my brother again, but he was either asleep or he didn't want to deal with me. I thought about returning to bed, but decided to go to the kitchen instead. You see, I was already wide awake now, so a small walk and maybe a glass of water might just help to relax and settle me down. I decided, though, to leave our bedroom door open, so on my way back, the nightlight from the hall would break the darkness in our room. I stretched on my tiptoes to reach the water glasses that were on the top shelf of the cupboard. I'd asked my parents so many times to leave one of them by the sink for me, but they never seemed to remember. They told me not to climb on the kitchen bench and reach for the glasses because it was just an accident waiting to happen. As my fingertips touched the cool glass, I thought, how do you expect me not to climb when you put them up so high? Finally, though, I got the glass and could have my water. I looked out of the kitchen window while turning on the tap. The water felt ice cold as it filled the glass and I could see the blizzard in all of its glory from here. The snowflakes rose and fell with the wind, swirling endlessly a thousand snow berries all doing a mad dance, happily celebrating the arrival of winter. It seemed so majestic and yet so terrifying at the same time. It was like a scene taken right out of a book. The Snow Bunny book, to be precise. I might meet him tonight. Or the dark smoke might chase me around, I laughed as I drank my water and brought the glass back to my lips. It was only then that I saw what was wrong with the picture before me. Through the blizzard, I saw a pair of green eyes glaring at me. They were surrounded by nothing but darkness, making them even more terrifying. The image became more precise and I realised that the eyes were behind me, not outside. The snow bunny takes up the story. The day had been perfect, with clear blue skies and a bright sun shining down on a blanket of snow. The world was covered in a thick layer of white everywhere that I looked. The kingdom of light and darkness had been peaceful for decades and days like this were so worth living for. I got up from the ground where I was lying, leaving a deep snow angel behind. It made me smile. It was a beautiful sight to behold. I looked back at the enormous castle that rose up to the sky. It was made entirely out of tide stones, which permanently changed colour according to what was happening within the kingdom. As the colours of black and white faded into each other, I watched them move restlessly, swaying and spiralling, yet always maintaining almost equal balance. It was a peaceful and harmonious sight I considered returning to the castle, 
However, the evergreen forest on the other side was calling me, inviting me to play, dig, stretch and laze around until I was satisfied. I don't need a castle, I thought. I love my freedom. So I hopped excitedly towards the forest, bouncing and jumping into the air until I felt flat, feeling the soft, cold snow beneath me. It felt so good that I plopped myself on the ground even before I reached the woodland and turned my face to the bright sun. It was such a beautiful day and I was very grateful for it. However, my peaceful moment was interrupted when something zoomed past me so quickly that it almost knocked me over. I jumped, my nose twitching uncontrollably, feeling a shrill chill down my spine. I couldn't see what it was. The feeling of terror was alarmingly familiar though. I turned to look at the castle and I saw that its tidestones were now almost entirely black. Oh no, this can't be happening, I said, and I turned to go back to the castle, but I noticed something up in the sky heading my way. As the Shadowhawk dived from the sky, I stayed put and it gracefully landed beside me. He held a clear crystal ball in his claws, with a big crack covering more than half of it. How did that happen? I asked, before he had a chance to utter a word. He picked up the ball and pushed it towards me. Oh, one of our younger ones picked it up, he said, staring at the ball as if he couldn't believe it. You are not supposed to touch it. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. he didn't know that, apparently. Hawk looked puzzled as I quietly looked at the empty, broken crystal ball. I was seethed inside, thinking of all the trouble, all the pain and the misery we had been through to put the dark smoke away, and now it was accessible again because of such a silly reason. Shadowhawk abruptly turned towards the woodland. We have to hurry, he said. It's almost at the transcendence tree. And he turned to me. I will guide you. I looked at his face. One of his eyes was half closed with a deep scar running right through it, courtesy of our battle with the dark smoke. Don't worry, he said. It takes much more than this to slow me down. He spread his wings and took off to the sky. Try to keep up, he shouted as he took to altitude. Shadowhawk guided me to the transcendence tree, which I couldn't see, but he could, and it kept the door open. I jumped into the middle of the tree. Now we return back to my kitchen and I take up the story again. I suddenly realized that I had dropped the glass. It shattered on the kitchen floor as I ran out of the kitchen and into the living room. The thing appeared before me, blocking my way. I screamed for my family as I tried to escape, but it kept growing and filling the air. I rushed to the back door, tears in my eyes, trying to get out. I was trapped in a room with a mysterious dark presence slowly closing in on me. Despite my efforts to open the door, that lower latch stuck. Finally, 
I forced it open and I stumbled outside out into the cold, snowy night. As I tried to stand up, I noticed the dark thing still pursuing me. It emerged from the back door and grew, eventually engulfing my whole house in its unbreakable darkness. Then, suddenly, it lunged at me, but then the dark presence retreated and I saw Snow Bunny before me. I was confused because Snow Bunny and Dark Smoke were fictional characters from a fairy tale, but there it was right in front of me. A tentacle of smoke attacked the Snow Bunny, but he could dodge it and kick some fresh snow. The bunny then turned to me and I realised it was my only hope of survival. You're the Snow Bunny, I exclaimed, staring in disbelief at the creature in front of me. You can't be real, I said, and I pinched myself so hard that it spread a pain through my entire hand. I am as real as your death will be if that smoke gets you, said Snow Bunny. The snow seemed to glow under his foot for a second, and when he lifted his foot, there was a pale blue crystal in the shape of his foot. The rabbit's medallion, I whispered in awe as I stared at the crystal that glowed. It will protect you, but I need your help, the snow bunny said, as I carefully picked up my medallion. It felt smooth and cold in my hand, but at the same time, all my fear and anxiety had vanished. I felt as safe as if I was in my mother's arms. Then I remembered my mum. My dad, my brother, they were all in that house. They were trapped inside the darkness and it had swallowed up everything and was still continuing to grow. My family's in there, I cried. All right, keep it together, said the snow bunny. Despite appearances, he wasn't as cute as he seemed. Hurry up and follow me. Your family will be fine. He hopped towards the other side of our garden, where an old oak tree stood, its branches long and barren, snapping around in the cold wind. I looked up to my bedroom window, but could only see darkness in its shadow. The dark smoke had taken over my entire house and continued growing and stretching, but it never came close to the oak tree for some reason. Bunny! I heard a rough voice over me and I looked up. No way. Why was the shadow hawk here too? We'll have to hurry up, the hawk said to the snow bunny as he hopped towards him. I need your help to trap dark smoke again, the snow bunny said. If we can manage to contain it. I looked up to where my bedroom was supposed to be, where my brother was supposed to be asleep. Of all the places that dark smoke could have come, he had to pick my house. Suddenly, the snow bunny asked, What about the door? Confused, I stared at an image that made no sense. Uh, uh, what do you mean, I asked. They are holding it open on the other side, said the snow bunny. It was then I saw Shadowhawk. I shouted to the snow bunny to watch out as Shadowhawk was a bad guy. The hawk looked at me confused and said, I'm the bad guy? You're not the bad guy, the snow bunny said, looking at me. What do you mean, bad guy? Well, well, he's from the kingdom of darkness and he's fighting you because he wants to take over the kingdom of light, I said in desperation. 
Wow, the hawk exclaimed. Evil overlord, I can live with that. All right, all right, said the snow bunny. First of all, there is no kingdom of darkness fighting the kingdom of light. It is the kingdom of light and darkness. It is one kingdom. Second, I don't understand what you're saying. And third, none of it is essential right now. I felt embarrassed for my lack of knowledge and understanding of their world, especially as I'd read the book three times already, but I knew that I had to help. I had to be brave for my family and the kingdom of light and darkness. Snow Bunny takes up the story. Fortunately, he wasn't startled when I spoke. The boy also knows about Hawk and me, although he seems a bit confused about most of it. He knows about the Four Directions prison spell and offered to help with it to contain dark smoke. I think the spell is our best chance of winning. I'm ready, said the young boy, holding the medallion I'd given him. North, south, east and west, right? I'll mark them, he added as he began to set off. Wait, and I exclaimed almost simultaneously, and the boy turned around. The medallion alone won't be enough, I said. Hawk snapped a small twig and held it lightly, and it glowed with a bright red light. The twig had transformed into a black feather pen with red accents. He threw the pen to the boy who caught it and gasped in amazement. A hawk feather pen, he exclaimed. Kingdom of light and darkness, right. We need them both for the spell to work. He nodded with determination and he looked at us. North, south, west and east, he said meaningfully. I'm off. He turned and he ran towards the north and Hawk and I immediately attacked the dark smoke to keep it busy and away from the boy. Our plan required us to divert its attention away from him. I saw Hawk soar into the sky and dive down at the dark smoke, a red flash of thunder cutting through the darkness as he passed through it. Meanwhile, I headed towards the garden gate where one of its tentacles had stretched beyond the house's boundaries I charged through it, creating a small whirlwind of snowflakes that dispersed it. I stood at the entrance and let the snow and wind envelop me. Although it was only a light blizzard, I felt the force of the frozen wind and I saw the snowflakes dancing around me. In this world, winter was alive and I was connected with its energy. I focused on the garden where I concentrated most of the blizzard's force. The snow and the wind were willing to cooperate and the dark smoke was trapped within the garden's limits. Now I could concentrate on weakening it to make its imprisonment easier. I saw the boy. He was now running towards the south as I launched an attack. It was good because one mark was already now in place. With the wind and the blizzard gathered around the yard, he moved so much faster. Hawk was flying around and cutting through the dark smoke while I jumped high and landed in the darkest part I could find. I felt the soft snow underneath my feet and I kicked my back feet up, sending a cloud of snowflakes up into the air. 
I heard a deep, painful growl as the darkness around me cleared away. I kept attacking the dark smoke this way, forcing it to pull back, to shrink to a more compact size. Meanwhile, Hawk was doing the same from the air, and the blizzard still circling the garden provided an impassable barrier. There was no way out for it, and the dark smoke was already cut down to the size of the house. I could see part of the house's chimney protruding, which meant we were doing a great job. The boy was at the east now. It was almost time. Hawk, I said, and saw my friend stop dive and turn to me start circling him he immediately rose and started circling at the top of the dark smoke so fast that he was causing a whirlwind to form i hopped on the ground looking for that thing's eyes i needed to know where they were to form the spell accurately only then did i notice those bright green circles blazing with hatred in the deep darkness were not turned on me or indeed Hawk. They were turned towards the boy, crouched on one knee on the snow, completely absorbed in drawing the last mark correctly. I don't know if the dark smoke knew he was the key to its imprisonment or if it felt this was over and wanted to take one last revenge. It launched itself at him at full speed and I rushed to stop it. I jumped and I managed to land on the boy's shoulder, knocking him over at the last minute. Then I turned and jumped right at those eyes, making my spell. I didn't know if he had managed to get the last mark done, but the way things stood, I could only hope. And now I take up my story again. This... This was the last one. I had to draw the previous mark and it would be over. Thankfully, the blizzard had quietened down and I could now move without feeling like my skin would freeze and fall over with every move. I rubbed my hands, heated them with my breath and then I began. Firstly, I gently pressed the medallion into the snow, making an imprint. Then I used the pen to trace the imprint and drew four dots like a cross in the centre. It was difficult as I was trembling from cold and my hands were frozen. The fate of the world depended on whether I did this right. Slowly and carefully I traced the imprint and completed it with a sigh of relief. I was so focused on completing the task that I didn't notice what was happening around me. Suddenly, someone violently pushed me, causing me to fall on my side. I saw the snow bunny and the dark smoke right before me. The snow bunny turned and hopped into the dark smoke's eyes, causing it to jolt back. There was a loud bang and a growl, and then the dark smoke exploded sending a wave of air towards me. It knocked me back. I fell over and everything went dark. When I opened my eyes, I found myself in my room. The shutters were open and I could see a clear blue sky outside. I looked around and everything seemed normal except that I couldn't find the snow bunny book I'd left on my nightstand before falling asleep. 
My brother came into the room and said good morning to me. And that's when I realized this might all have been a dream. As he left, he stood at the door and turned to me and said, come and join the snow war before I bring the war to you. Playing in the snow made me happy, so I jumped off my bed. I noticed my slippers were wet, but I ignored it. I was more focused on playing in the snow. As I took a step, I felt something fall to the floor. I looked down and I saw Rabbit's diamond blue medallion and Hawk's black feather pen on the floor before me and I realised that this was not just a dream. And that is the perfect place to end our story. Thank you for joining us today at the Nature Storyteller. I hope our stories have taken you to a beautiful place, deep within your own imagination. And at the same time, I hope you've gained more knowledge about the natural world and wild creatures that share it with us. Storytelling has always been a way for our ancestors to share their understanding, learning, wisdom and knowledge of their world. Through the generations, these stories have entertained, informed and inspired people. And they continue to do so to this very day. Now it's time for me to return to the forest and begin a new adventure that I will share with you on the next Nature Storyteller podcast.